Hey, what's going on? It is Crypto Bobby. Hope you are having a great day, great night, wherever you are watching or listening in from. And welcome to another episode of the Crypto Bobby podcast. And this is actually going to be a recording of the Crypto Happy Hour uh, that we did last night on September 16th. So took a bunch of questions, talked a little bit about uh, some of the conversation now around Libra and what has been happening there as Facebook and Germany continue to kick the snot out of that. Uh, also talk about the quote-unquote alt season, which is basically altcoins moving like 5 to 10% up. So, uh, you know, clarifying a little bit there and, and, and talking just about my thoughts on uh, everybody's favorite term uh, and meme in the world and a bunch more in the episode. Also, excuse the conversation around the New York Jets. The Crypto Happy Hour is about an hour before the Jets game. Uh, and as you'll hear as well, I accurately predicted the Jets getting stomped out, which uh, as a diehard Jets fan uh, was not an enjoyable watch whatsoever and was, was not worth staying up for on a Monday night. But before we hop into today's episode, want to talk to you guys about my friends over at Zapier. Growing a business is hard. Trust me. I know proof of talent growing it, not the easiest thing in the world, but especially when you're wasting hours every day, moving data from emails to spreadsheets, to your CRM, to whatever it is, that type of stuff should just happen. Even if that is in separate systems without you leaving, lifting a finger and Zapier can help for me personally. I use Zapier across the board with my integrations between my recruiting, uh, ATS system, emails and spreadsheets, Google sheets. So it's really helped to make my business run a lot smoother and a lot easier. It is the quickest way to automate your work. And I myself am not a software developer. You do not need to be a software developer to use Zapier to connect all of your business software and handle the work for you. No more wasting time on uh, any types of tasks like that. Just go to uh, my special link. It is zapier.com slash Bobby to connect the apps you use most. Even if you don't have a full-time business, uh, there are a bunch of different apps you can connect and make your workflow a lot, a lot easier. Right now through November, you can try Zapier for free going to my special link, zapier.com slash Bobby. That is Z-A-P-I-E-R.com slash Bobby for your free 14-day free trial. Let's get into crypto happy hour. Obviously, Facebook has created the Libra or is in the process of creating the Libra cryptocurrency, which is supposed to be a stable coin. And uh, a lot of governments are really threatened by what Facebook is doing. So much so that both France and Germany came out and said that this is going to uh, underpin the uh, really underpin the monetary safety of, of what we do in Europe. And France said that it poses a significant threat to monetary uh, sovereignty. Uh, and I just I don't know why I couldn't even pronounce that right. Uh, but we also had Germany saying the same thing uh, around the threat that Libra is is creating in uh, Europe and just across the globe. So you had David Marcus come out with this Twitter thread uh, about uh, nations versus Libra talking about there's been a lot of uh, talk around how Libra could threaten the uh, threaten the nations when it comes to money and uh, wanted to take the opportunity to debunk that notion saying that Libra is quote unquote uh, designed to be a better payment network and system running on top of the existing currencies um, saying that it is a complement 
or complementary piece and not a threat to what uh, to what the governments are doing. Obviously, certain governments will take that in in different ways uh, and with varying levels of trust. Uh, but basically, the the thesis, or, you know, the if you've done your kind of research around it, uh, what Libra is doing is taking a basket and just kind of combining a bunch of quote unquote strong government currencies. You might think like the the U.S. dollar, the euro, the yen. Uh, yuan, whatever it might be, taking a basket and creating a, a very flat asset uh, for people to transact. But when I think governments look at that, they, number one, think that, hey, you know, this is competitive against what we're doing, uh, as well as they also don't like Facebook because Facebook is Facebook. So there are a number of things that are going against Facebook. Uh, they still say that they're trying to launch now at the end of 2020. Uh, I'm still pretty skeptical around whether or not Facebook is actually going to launch uh, when they say they will launch i just think there's going to be so much government pressure and now that facebook and eric's now that facebook now that france and germany have already come out and said negative things about it uh, i have a hard time believing uh, that other governments aren't going to come out and i think the us is still going to kind of you know remain uh, putting pressure on on facebook around this uh, other companies that are in the quote-unquote like uh libra consortium i think they might feel some pressure and look at this and say is the juice worth the squeeze are we really do we really care that much about this that we're going to you know, potentially get in trouble so it, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out but long story short i do think that uh this is going to drag on for quite some time and facebook is going to continually uh get pressure and you're going to see this in the news all the time uh and if you guys are drinking anything interesting right now so i have red stripe I am in New York and not in Jamaica, but if you follow me on Twitter, you might have seen last night I made uh, jerk chicken or like eight pounds of jerk chicken. So I still have some leftover red stripe because if I'm going to make jerk chicken, I got to have it with red stripe. So why not? Um, so still have a little bit left. And I actually kind of like red stripe. It's pretty solid beer. So good question here from Lars, and I'll see if I could pull it up if it's maybe on Bloomberg. But um, this is something that... Uh, a number of people were talking about in a number of people were talking about in a couple of the different telegram groups I'm in, but JP Morgan uh, is in uh, pretty big trouble for uh, some traders that they uh, some traders that they had in their house. Uh, three JP Morgan traders uh, were actually indicted, criminally indicted by US prosecutors for rigging futures trades and precious metals for nearly a decade, made a ton of money off it, millions and millions of dollars. Uh, also at the expense of counterparties, which included their own bank's clients. So basically they're ripping off their own clients. Um, and this was a few different traders. It's according to them, three different traders. Um, and they were, you know, manipulating and spoofing, uh, sounds like manipulating, spoofing the order books and trades. So interesting in a couple different ways. Sounds like this is just the, uh, tip of the iceberg for JP Morgan on this. And then also, when you look at it, somebody is bringing this up in one of the somebody is bringing this up in one of the Telegram chats I'm in, and had mentioned that looking at what happened with one MDB, which if you haven't seen that, check it out. Uh, also, I think it's Billion Dollar Whale is the name of the book that I've read about Joe Lowe, which is pretty crazy as well. Uh, but Goldman's entanglement with one MDB and kind of. How that might may or may not have led to Goldman CEO kind of having a nice little farewell tour, but ultimately kind of getting the boot. Um, people have already started talking about if this is a big enough deal. What does that mean for Jamie Dimon? 
and uh, the CEO position at JP Morgan. Jamie Dimon has done well in the past. Uh, Jamie Dimon is also notoriously not a fan of Bitcoin uh, and most other crypto assets. So when you look at that, is this something that you have, uh, you know, kind of a, a greater greater insight into what ends up happening with these traders and this criminal indictment that goes on? And is this big enough in the long run? Uh, is this manipulation of the precious metals market uh, and, and how, how deep that actually goes? Is this big enough to uh, actually result in the potential departure of JP Morgan's CEO? We'll, we'll have to, you know, we'll have to see. And I mean, just looking at this in the broad spectrum of is this good for Bitcoin? Because that's the question. Everything's good for Bitcoin, right? Uh, but is this good for Bitcoin or is this good for cryptocurrencies? Uh, as you know, as, as far as all this goes, I have no clue. Um, I mean, even if J even if Jamie Dimon does stepping back, even if Jamie Dimon does at some point in time leave, there's there's no necessarily like no specific kind of focus that says, hey there is a you know new CEO candidate that's like incredibly bullish on Bitcoin and wants to enable cryptocurrency trading for JP Morgan or that like that's that's a complete massive assumption and a huge leap so I wouldn't necessarily that say that it's good or bad um, but interesting and, and worth keeping an eye on and also goes to show that you know there there obviously is still a ton of of just manipulation in the general uh, financial markets that may or may not affect you in any way whatsoever. Uh, but certainly people still make a lot of money off of it. So Andrew River says this quick cue. Has there been an ICO or any new coin that's come along in the past 18 months that you think has any potential? It's an interesting question. And to be really, really straightforward, I haven't done a ton of due diligence on things that have come onto the market in the past six months. Um, there are a lot of, so I would say this, when you're looking at these, you know, when you're looking at at just these ICO projects, these IEOs now too, I think for the most part, it's fairly clear that token models in general need a lot of work. Unless a, there just isn't a ton of, I think, thought by many people in terms of how the token model is, is going to be structured uh, and, and the economics behind that and and how that may or may not affect the price increase or price decrease. And mostly it's around the price decrease. And when you look at a lot of this stuff, I think a lot of these cryptocurrencies are basically made to not perform well over the long term, because especially for a lot of these ICOs, you look at the team and the advisors and lockups and things like that. And in many respects, that type of thing is continued sell pressure on the market. Um, the one thing I think that is relatively interesting is there's this whole new batch of like third generation uh, platforms coming onto like Ethereum competitors. Let's say like, let's say Ethereum was the gen one platform, EOS, Tron, that type of thing, or like gen two. And now you've had like Algorand come live. You've had, you have, uh, I think uh, Hashgraph, HBAR is starting to trade in like the next week or so. Um, there's a bunch of different... Uh, like you're going to have Definity at some point in time, maybe, who knows? There's all these different like third generation, super scalable uh, blockchains. But with that, you also have to look at the actual token. I, I don't want to say the word token economics because it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> I don't have a great spreadsheet around that, but um, 
<laughs> uh, when when just looking at like how a lot of these projects have been, I think they're they're pretty much just like encouraging retail to just get their face ripped off. Um, looking at like where where early on investors bought them and where the lockups are. Like let's just say for example, there is a new third generation uh, blockchain platform that's launching right now. Um, maybe they raised money a year and a half ago. They raised a hundred million dollars. Their tokens costed. Um, maybe the, the first round of investors paid one cent for their token. The next round of investors play, paid three cent for their token. Um, and now they're, they're doing some like some type of financial fuckery around it where, you know, they're, they're saying, Hey, this token is now worth 10 cents or whatever it might be. Well, if the token is worth 10 cents and that's the first thing that, you know, quote unquote retail can buy it at these non-accredited investors can buy it at, well, Retail's buying it at 10 cents. Guess who's selling it to them? The people that invested at one cent and three cents or wherever that might be. So I think that's what you need to also be concerned about when you look at some of these like new, super sexy, scalable platforms that are coming out because there are people that invested earlier than you. And when you look at what's happened with the market in total, I, I think people are, are less likely to, to be greedy, especially quote unquote smart money. But I think people are less likely to be greedy. And if they say, hey, I got a two, three X or whatever it might be, I'm going to take some money off the table uh, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to get rid of that token. Uh, you know, you're buying that and there's, there's not a ton of, of buy. You know, I don't think there's going to be a ton of buy support for a lot of these new ICOs. Uh, or tokens that are coming live in the market. So that's that's just my general like thought process. I don't personally think that there is a ton. Uh, I don't personally think that there is a ton of new retail money coming into the space right now. I think retail money is is still for the most part kind of like s s mostly flatlined, maybe even going down a little bit as far as like the new retail money. Um, so I, I would be hesitant to think that there's going to be this new rush of people that are going to come in, uh, and buy a, uh, a venture capitalist bags is, is my thought process there. So my man, Kyle says, I'm sure you already talked about it, but do you think the jets take the Browns? I know most, nobody cares about the jets. I'm a huge jets fan. Went to the game last week. Awful jets blew a 16 point lead. Classic jets lost the bills. Terrible loss. Not only that, but Sam Darnold, the starting quarterback who, I think is going to be solid, uh, has mono. I don't, I haven't heard of like anybody over 16 years old getting mono since like I ever. And then we also lost our starting middle linebacker and first round draft pick, uh, interior D lineman. So I'm going to say that the jets are not going to be the Browns and I'm going to sit there and drink a lot of these red stripes and just not be super happy. So, um, I I'm still somewhat positive on, on the jets in like the long run. Uh, of this season, but with Sam Darnold out, Quincy Inunua out, it's, we're going to get smoked. <laughs> and this is another thing that's relatively interesting. I'm not personally a huge, I think that the BitPay, if anybody's actually used BitPay, I know like there's a whole Bitcoin kind of maximalist type thing, uh, or just Bitcoiner type thing about like F BitPay, um, use BTC pay server. Also on another note, Square, to that point, Square Crypto uh, actually donated a grant to BTC Pay Server, which is kind of like an open source uh, crypto or Bitcoin payment acceptance uh, payment gateway, which is actually pretty cool Square. I thought that was a really cool thing for Square to do is basically funding a competitor that's developing open source software. Um, not something that I think most companies would do. 
But again, uh, we've talked about Square in the past, and I think Square is at such a unique position in the cryptocurrency ecosystem because they have an incredibly profitable business that is completely unrelated to Bitcoin. And that gives them the luxury to be really intentional about everything that they do when it does come down to Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And it makes them, I think they're just being very smart about how they're approaching things in general. So shout out to Square for that, but I went on a tangent. Shocker, I went on a tangent. But uh, BitPay is launching Ethereum support in the next few weeks. BitPay is still probably the largest uh, e-commerce payment provider in, in crypto. Um, traditionally, I think they've just done Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash, but now they're going to be uh, utilizing Ethereum as well. So that might allow them to, it sounds like it's going to also support stable coins. So USDC, the Gemini dollar, which has kind of fallen off the map as far as actual usage and, and uh, the Paxos token as well. So I think that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool that this is happening. Again, I'm not a huge fan of the BitPay user experience. I don't really want to trash the company for one way or another. It is what it is. If you like BitPay, great. If you don't like BitPay, but the fact that you have to use BitPay's wallet, my problem with BitPay in general is that you have to use BitPay's wallet to uh, pay for, to, to pay with the app rather than just being able to like, rather than with a gateway having Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash or Ethereum or whatever it is, and just being able to send an address, you actually have to send your crypto, your crypto has to be in the BitPay wallet to do that first, which is not a favorable user experience, at least in my opinion, because it just adds another kind of complex step in in between. I know there are reasons for that, but it's still not something that I particularly enjoy. So this is also, and, and this is kind of the reason I was just kidding around with the uh, Is This Alt Season title on uh, on YouTube. But I do think that Is This Alt Season is now like the biggest meme in, or one of the biggest memes in crypto. There's a lot of memes in crypto, but it it is it is still really funny how I think you've seen this over the past year, you've seen this just kind of consistent loss of of hope around altcoins. I think a lot of people initially either they rode the pump all the way up or maybe they bought the top, but they were just so, you know, they saw what happened. Like, hey, this is going to happen again. Hey, this is going to happen again. And every day, every fleeting moment is this isn't happening again. This isn't happening again. And people just kind of losing and losing and losing faith in quote unquote alt season or just any type of positive movement in altcoins. And there really hasn't been any. I mean, Bitcoin has just absolutely dominated things, especially while Bitcoin has had that run up from 3000 all the way to 10000 bucks or $14,000. You know, altcoins just simply haven't kept pace. If not, they've even gone down against US dollars while Bitcoin, while Bitcoin has tripled. And it does take into account supply and demand and the fact that really there is not a huge or any demand for altcoins outside of purely speculation. And if no one is speculating on these assets, you have speculators dumping these assets and getting rid of them uh, so that you know they can cut their losses. And that's essentially where we're at right now. And that's kind of where we've been at for a long time is that altcoins are, and altcoins always have been, but altcoins are solely speculative assets that people buy and hope to sell at a later date. For the most part, you're not going to use an altcoin to actually fulfill its quote unquote intended purpose, if it even has one. Um, so you have this kind of cascading waterfall of speculators exiting their positions as they lose hope in specific projects and teams and things like that. And, and that's where we've been. So 
it, it is funny just to see how like n- negative everybody is anytime you mention anything about alts ever doing well. And it's just kind of the reason why I like it too. <laughs> so somebody says next alt season, early 2022. <laughs> I'm going to be over 30 then shit. Um, so, I mean, maybe that's, it's definitely possible. That's a long time away, but yeah, it's definitely possible. And, uh, crypto mind says this, and I do think that this is something that is kind of the, this, the, the two biggest things to watch in my mind are Bitcoin's happening and ETH 2.0, uh, or Ethereum 2.0. Uh, obviously Bitcoin's happening is you basically know exactly when that's going to happen. Um, and you can do a lot, you can anticipate a lot going up for, you know, going up for the, the Bitcoin happening, you know, you can know exactly when that's, or roughly when that's going to take place. Uh, ETH, Ethereum 2.0, ETH 2.0 is a little bit more up in the air. There have been delivery issues and, and timing issues in the past, um, but things seem to be moving in a pretty positive direction. And I do think that uh, I'm still, a lot of people are, are super down on ETH. Uh, a lot of people are down on Ethereum. I'm still super bullish on Ethereum. Um, I'm also a little bit of a sucker for ETH. I, I just, I think that the, the the community is as, I think that Ethereum is the only thing that has anywhere near the actual demand and interest uh, outside of Bitcoin. I still think Bitcoin is obviously big daddy. Bitcoin has the the most clear-cut use case out of anything. Uh, Bitcoin's technology does exactly what it says it's going to do uh, and, and just works and will you know, likely continue to work for the foreseeable future. I do think that Ethereum's scaling ambitions are potentially more ambitious, uh, but ambitious may or may not be a good thing when you come down to the amount of money that's at stake. You know, it's not exactly Facebook's move fast and break, th- break things when uh, you have a bunch of your own money in Ethereum or in DeFi or in any of these other components. But I think that the two big things and uh, the two kind of largest events that I would keep an eye on as things continue to occur are the launch of ETH 2.0, if and when it ever does launch, as well as Bitcoin's happening. And I will continue to dollar cost average into both Ethereum or into ETH and into BTC uh, for the time being, uh, you know, as we head into those run-ups. And Michael gives the 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 question that everybody's been waiting for. Uh, hey, Bobby, do you fuck with the White Claws? Um, I can drink some White Claws. I, I would much prefer beer, but uh, White Claws are a little bit easier on the stomach, I guess, if you, if you have a, you know, an upset stomach. But White Claws are good if you are in the heat of the summer and it's 90 plus degrees and you just want to crush something that basically tastes like water and get a little bit of a buzz. That's what White Claws are good for. Would I sit in my couch and drink a White Claw? No, I wouldn't. Am I going to sit on my couch after this and drink a bunch of beer? Yes, I am. So I, I would drink White Claw at a tailgater at like a, I don't know, whatever. But it's 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 alcoholic water. I mean, bubbly alcoholic water. <laughs> and this is also too something I think that is worth taking a look into swap. So I haven't gotten a chance to use this yet. They do have strong backing. Initialized Capital is a, I think, pretty well-respected Gary Tan uh, venture firm. But this is something that I think is is necessary for you to, to see uh, some more adoption with a Lightning Network. And this is SparkSwap, which allows you to utilize their desktop app 
and buy directly, take your US dollars and buy uh, Bitcoin directly with the Litecoin network. So you can go from US dollars in your bank account directly to Bitcoin within Lightning without having to take any other steps in between. So this is, I think, something that will definitely simplify and remove some of the, uh, that will definitely, definitely simplify and remove some of the kind of issues around um, light, the Lightning Network growth. I still don't necessarily know. I'm not, I am, I am moderately bullish on the growth of Litecoin. Excuse me, Litecoin, not Litecoin. I'm not super bullish on Litecoin. I'm moderately bullish on the growth of the Lightning Network. And I think this is a necessary step, a necessary product in general uh, for it to continue to grow and to continue to succeed. Uh, do I think that this is going to all of a sudden kickstart, you know, incredible massive growth? No, not necessarily at all. Uh, but this type of thing is definitely necessary for uh, Lightning to improve and for more people to use it. You know, if you have a if you have a, a few different merchants that you really like to utilize, there are now some merchants that accept uh, Lightning Network payments, and this is an easier way to to do that for sure. If you have, uh, you know, if you have Bitcoin in the Lightning Network. Uh, on another note too, there's I, I got a chance. I went to ETH Boston, um, which was a was a great event. I was there for about half the time. But some of the just second level or second layer scaling work that's being done is really pretty incredible. Uh, there was a company there, Offchain Labs, that um, I do a little bit of work for with Proof of Talent as well. Um, really solid people, but they had a first level demo of their product called Arbitrum and it's built on top of Ethereum right now. But it's pretty cool because it is uh, second layer scaling and it works directly within MetaMask. So uh, they kind of, uh, they kind of t remove the actual aspect of the user even knowing that they're interacting with the second layer solution or layer two solution they completely abstract that and i think that's the type of thing as well that if you can abstract if you can uh you know abstract some of the issues or just some of the user experience components around using faster solutions be it lightning network or be it some type of layer two scaling solution on ethereum if you can abstract that uh, from the user experience, I think that's the type of thing that really is is necessary to make a difference. And what I mean by that, when I just say abstract that out, uh, is basically you're just transact. You're you have the the example that that they gave was basically you had a Connect Four piece, or uh, you had a Connect Four game, and you had a, to put in one transaction, uh, one Ethereum transaction, to basically uh, start the game. And once you did that, you were transacting on uh, you were able to transact kind of on layer two so any future things that were happening within uh within the actual connect four game as you were making moves that was happening uh with layer two and you were able to confirm those moves on uh on metamask but the user actually really had no idea what was happening so i thought that was pretty awesome what's up reynaldo thanks a lot for that super chat man uh what's good if i send you 0.5 btc would i send you three btc back uh, unfortunately, no, um, you can send me 0.5 BTC. Uh, I might not send you any back, but uh, if you want to send me 0.5 BTC, I'd be happy for that. So we got a, a little bit of a food debate going on right now. Brad Anderson says, Hey, Bobby, you ever tried an in and out burger or a San Diego carne asada burger? Uh, I've had in and out. I've been to San Francisco quite a bit for, um, 
just for for work i mean working in crypto between new york and san francisco uh usually a, a bunch and anytime i'm in san francisco i typically try to stop for uh in and out um usually get the i guess double double animal style i think is the move i don't love the fries but in and outs burgers are solid i do like shake shack as well i think shake shack is a wonderful burger i also think five guys is a wonderful burger um i you see cookout mentioned garrett i went to college in north carolina uh and there was a cookout uh pretty close to campus and the only time cookout is edible is if you are about 20 beers deep at four o'clock in the morning otherwise cookout no bueno uh dragon ball btc says this hey bobby what are your thoughts on hadera hash graph um so i think there was uh, a, a question before that talked a little bit about like what are my thoughts on some of these upcoming icos and um I personally, I think, let's see. So I, I believe Hedera, the, the Hashgraph tokens are being, if I, um, I think Hashgraph tokens are, shit. Um, I think Hashgraph tokens are coming at some point in time in the near future. I don't, uh, I think it's like this week or something like that. I've seen some people talking about really high OTC trading prices for Hashgraph, but I also think that, um, I think with, uh, you know, with, with Hashgraph in general, if their OTC price is really high, that was somewhat of what I was alluding to is there are some earlier investors that got in quite a bit early. Uh, I think some people like to think that the technology with, with Hashgraph could be really interesting. Um, I am not a software engineer by trade. Um, I am slightly technical enough to know the difference with, you know, some of these different protocols, but I, I just get a little bit, I get a little bit skeptical around the, uh, I get a little bit skeptical around the, like the third gen blockchain, uh, products and, and protocols in general. Like I was at a, a meetup the other night in, I was at a meetup the other night in New York city and, uh, there was a third gen like protocol that was talking and you know basically the entire pitch was why bitcoin was bad why ethereum was bad why they're never going to work why they're never going to scale and why their protocol is better um and i think every you know every single like protocol kind of goes on with that and even ethereum has has led with that in the past too uh so i guess there's nothing new but basically the marketing around all of these is hey you know nothing else can do what we can do um, and we're going to be the best and we're going to be the most scalable. And every time everybody has to, you know, every, nobody wants to acknowledge the, the trade-offs. And that's what you have to think about in every one of these scenarios with these protocols or with these things that are trying to be the next Ethereum or whatever they might be, or trying to be the, you know, the decentralized world computer or this platform play, whatever it might be. You have to think about, uh, you have to think about that in general is that, um, there are issues around, there are just generally speaking, there are issues around the scalability and how centralized something is. You know, nobody wants to say this, this product, this platform is, is centralized. So they're going to overcomplicate that, whether that is with some type of governance council, whether that is with some type of you know, different nodes across the board, whatever it might be. Um, I'm just skeptical around the the, the marketing of really high TPS. Um, actually, let's see here. Uh, so if you want to read this, this is, I think, a good article. Um, and this sums up a lot of my thoughts. So we can talk about this in a little bit more depth. Um, 
So take this for what it's worth. But I, I like Eric Wall's research. They're typically pretty, it's typically pretty solid. Um, and I think he's pretty upfront with what he's thinking about in this. So actually, I guess it's today that Hedera Hashgraph is launching. Uh, so he kind of starts off uh, and says, okay, so Hedera Hashgraph is launching on September 16th. It is a third generation DLT and it can do 10,000 transactions per second. Obviously that sounds freaking fantastic when you compare that with Bitcoin being able to do about three transactions per second, maybe maybe seven if you're being you know generous. Ethereum doing like 12 to 15. Uh, and then you also have the average fee on Bitcoin around 20 cents. Um, that's probably higher now. Um, and the average fee on Ethereum around 13 cents. And you have these transaction times of with Ethereum 10 to 20 seconds, uh, Bitcoin 10 to 60 minutes. And then Hedera apparently confirms in three to five seconds with finality. So basically you look at this and Hedera's um, Hashgraph's transaction fees are less than a tenth of a cent. So you look at that and you think, wow, like Hashgraph is, is the future. Like this is this is the best thing that's ever happened, right? Um, this is this is just the, the the best thing that this world has ever seen. But you have to dive into a lot. You have to dive into things a lot more. And so he goes into some really different or, or just some really specific arguments or, or thought processes around why the kind of achievement of transactions per second and why the relationship there uh, is mostly marketing and not necessarily the best, um, just not necessarily the best thing and why, you know, in a lot of cases you need to be skeptical around uh, the transactions per second number that they talk about quite a bit. So it, it does get into really good depth. I don't have like a, I'm not gonna say I don't have enough time here, but um, it does get into to quite a bit of depth around a Bitcoin core implementations and really the restrictions around transactions per second uh, and into block sizes and into different uh, components around that. So if you are uh, somewhat technical or just really interested in this, uh, even if you have no thought process around, uh, even if you have no thought process around Hashgraph at all, it's worth reading the article. And again, I put it in the YouTube comments there. Uh, so you can check that out, but it's worth reading. It's a pretty entertaining article, uh, that I enjoy and tend to mostly just agree with around the, uh, just around these like super fast ultra scalable TPS blockchains that are going to revolutionize and change the world, uh, and still be incredibly and perfectly decentralized. So that's, that's been a little bit of like my thought process process in general around this stuff. Julio says, I was watching the office. Is it true that the best New York pizza is at Sabaro's? Um, I like Joe's pizza and John's at Bleecker street. Um, Sabaro's is Sabaro's is uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful home, you know, fresh Italian, uh, you know, you have the grandpa in the back, you know, rolling the, you know, throwing the dough. Sabaro's is, is probably up there. Actually, Sabaro's is better than John's bleaker, better than Joe's. Um, it's, it's, it's just about as it's, it's, it's better than anything in the world. So yeah, I would say Sabaro's is the best. So Wookie says this, what is your view on the pie share of privacy coins in the whole crypto economy? Uh, that's a good question. And there's also, uh, I think it, it's relatively interesting because today or in the past, yeah, today you had OKX Korea 
delisting all of the privacy coins, including Monero, Zcash, and Dash, uh, as these apparently violate the uh, FATFA or FTFA, the travel rule, uh, which is associated with um, with kind of an international coalition, the Financial Action Task Force. So it is a global money laundering organization. And so OKX Korea said, hey, we're going to get rid of uh, Monero, Dash, Zcash, Horizon, um, or Zen, which I think used to be Zencash, uh, and Super Bitcoin. I have no idea what the hell Super Bitcoin is, but apparently that is getting the boot as well. And uh, it's interesting for a couple different reasons. Number one, they're you know looking and kind of blaming this on uh, FATFA or FTFA and saying that this is this is something that violates the the laws there. I think that when you look at like Zcash, Zcash is on Gemini and I believe on Coinbase Pro now. Um, so Zcash is one that because of the optional privacy, I'm still curious about that. And almost no one on Zcash actually uses shielded transactions. I think it's like five or 10%, which is pretty funny. Like Zcash is this privacy cryptocurrency, but actually nobody uses the privacy features. But um, I, I think privacy is is obviously a huge issue. Um, privacy is, is something that uh, I think is a, just generally speaking, a massive issue in the crypto ecosystem. Let me see if I can pull up. I think it's, is it John Todaro? So here we go. Uh, this is from uh, James, Joe, and John Tadaro, uh, Block to, uh, Block Tower, or excuse me, Blocktown Capital. Um, they have a uh, crypto fund, a small crypto fund, but they talk about uh, the need for privacy. And if you're not familiar, just in general, with this is something that if if you don't know about, I'm sure most of you know about this. Uh, there's a lot of people that preach privacy and coin mixing on uh, things like that now. Uh, on Twitter and uh, and on YouTube and the podcast game as well, a lot of those folks like that. So when you look at uh, when you look at, at Bitcoin right now, there are services out there. Uh, there are companies like Chainalysis, uh, formerly like a Neutrino or an Elliptic uh, or uh, some of those other ones. But like Chainalysis is really the biggest one. And so what what happens is, or what's already happened is, if you've ever KYC'd, let's say you KYC to Coinbase, so Coinbase knows your address is um, your address is your what whatever your Bitcoin address is. Coin Coinbase knows your Bitcoin address, and they uh, basically tell that or chain analysis is works with Coinbase. So chain analysis assigns your Bitcoin address to your name. So they know like, hey, this is Rob. This is his Bitcoin address. So when I send my Bitcoin off of Coinbase. I think a lot of people traditionally think like, oh, I sent my Bitcoin off of Coinbase, like no big deal, right? Like they can't, like they're not gonna track me now. I, I'm, I'm, I'm free. I'm away. Um, that's not the case at all. So once you send your Bitcoin from Coinbase, where your KYC or any other like or Gemini or Kraken or whatever it might be, your name is is associated with that Bitcoin, and they can tell kind of through the transaction history, even not, like tens and tens and hundreds of hops, meaning like if I sent my Bitcoin from my, you know, from my Coinbase account to an address, to another address, to another address, to another address, to another address, and just tried to hop it away so that eventually it would kind of get lost. Um, they still track that. So they're able to attribute your like legal name to your Bitcoin ownership. And they can do that across numerous blockchains and things like that. 
Um, so they can do that across numerous blockchains. And that is what Blockdown Capital says in, in kind of the start of this. In essence, anyone who's executed a Bitcoin transaction from an exchange registered in their legal name likely has most of their transaction history and Bitcoin holdings reconstructed and recorded in an institutional database, probably something powered by a chain analysis or an internal compliance tool from a Coinbase or from a Gemini or from for whoever it is. And if, and you know, the IRS and all these other kind of government entities are, uh, are, are utilizing this stuff as well. So, um, they say, Hey, you know, this is something that you know, privacy is basically completely eliminated. You probably, you know, even if you were trying to be smart, if you've ever KYC'd on any of these services, your, your name is basically out there and somebody knows who you are and has linked your Bitcoin back to you. So what happens now, um, that requires a need for privacy, but there's not great privacy with Bitcoin, right? You know, maybe you can mix, maybe you can do some coin join, but still that's not perfect. So when you look at that, that you know, says, hey, these, these privacy coins, maybe a Zcash, maybe a Monero um, are really important. However, when I look at, uh, you know, when I look just generally speaking at like Zcash from an investment perspective uh, or Monero from an investment perspective, I still think most people either are blissfully unaware about how significantly their assets are tracked on on chain with blockchain uh, analytics providers or just don't care um, or they won't care until they get audited or whatever it might be. So I think most people are blissfully unaware. I also think Zcash's emission rate is way, 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 way too high. Uh, and you can clearly see that if you pull up the Zcash chart. I mean, it is, uh, it's it's a stair step down from hell. Uh, if we pull up Zcash to, uh, let's just one second, we'll pull it out in the week. Uh, yeah, so it's basically been down, 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 down against Bitcoin since... It's down, Zcash is down 95% against Bitcoin in the past 800 days. Um, I don't necessarily, you know, it might have a bump, it might be all right. But uh, yeah, that, that emission schedule, that inflation scares the living bejesus out of me. So regardless of whether or not um, there are issues with privacy, which there are, that is really undeniable. Um, there is quite a bit of issue with uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, and all these other more prominent public blockchains there's there's a lot of issues when you're transacting there if you've ever been kyc'd but i don't necessarily know if that justifies an investment thesis in zcash i personally bought zcash i felt the pain of zcash i bought monero um it didn't do as bad as zcash but didn't do as well as bitcoin either so Ricky Thompson, that's why the FBI loves crypto for crimes. If you use non-privacy coins, they can eventually track it back to you. Yeah, I mean, that's that's it's it's been pretty well known. Um, buying anything or illegally transacting with cryptocurrency is a law enforcement officer's wet dream. It is very trackable. Uh, if there, there are just numerous ways, there is a publicly visible paper trail. If you use cash, good luck. Like that's, you know, if I, if I bring a million dollars of cash, in a duffel bag, pretty hard to track. If I transact a million dollars in Bitcoin, well, anybody could go to a block explorer, bounce that one place, one place, one place. And if you're utilizing a blockchain analysis software tool out there, then you can get a lot further than that. Uh, Garrett, where did I go to school in North Carolina? I went to Elon University. Um, so yeah, went to Elon. Small school in North Carolina. I'm sure most, most people don't know it that well. 
Uh, ABQ Golfer says, Bobby, you are losing your influence. Bitcoin has only dumped 0.33% since I came on tonight. I am sorry for anybody who's, uh, you know, opened up their shorts since I went live. Unfortunately, I did not come in clutch for you. But I think that's just, that's, that's God uh, out there just saying, you know what, Rob? You're about to endure some pretty bad things with the New York Jets. So we're going to, you know, we're going to let you, we're going to, we're going to keep you and, and you know, we're, we're going to give you a little bit of, of a, of a go around and we're not going to dump the price of, of crypto while you're live, but we're going to get the Jets steamrolled by the Browns. So yeah, that's, that's basically where we're at at this point in time. And uh, speaking of the Jets Browns game starts in four minutes. So I am going to chug the rest of this beer, probably put about 45 more in my body because I am not confident that the Jets are going to do anything well. And Trevor Simeon is now the Jets starting QB, which is fairly depressing. So there's only one way to drown your sorrows, and that's in red stripe when you just had jerk chicken. So we're going to do that. Um, I hope you enjoyed this uh, this quick uh, crypto happy hour this evening. Great speaking with all of you. If you enjoyed the video, make sure to hit that thumbs up button. Hit the like button, helps to get this video out. If you're new by any weird chance, hit the subscribe button. Would would love to see you here more often. But thank you so much for your time. Crypto Bobby, signing out. Hope you have a good one. Peace.